those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this second Sunday in Lent is the gospel for today. You heard it read before from Mark chapter 8. I recall just these words. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man would have to suffer a lot, a lot. He taught them that he would be rejected by the leaders, the chief priests, and the experts in Moses' teachings. He would be killed, but after three days, come back to life. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered in our stead, as we recall this Lenten season, so that we might have eternal life, my beloved. So are you comfortable? I mean, how's the temperature here this morning? Just right? I know that uh, Mr. Anderson and Mr. Radawan uh, always like to maintain the HVAC in the boiler, you know, so that you're comfortable warm in the winter and cool in the summer. I just remember... Uh, one congregation that um, everybody always was fiddling with the thermostat, you know, and turning it up and down. So what they uh, did was they put the thermostat in a sort of a secret place, and then they put a fake thermostat on one of the walls that anybody could touch, and everybody was comfortable. <laughs> it's amazing how we're all concerned about our comforts being comfortable. I mean, we like comfortable mattresses. Now you have those mattresses that go up and down, so you have to, don't have to listen to your partner snore. I hope you have uh, comfortable shoes on this morning, want comfortable clothes. I hope the pads and the pews are still comfortable for you this morning. So I hope that you're not going to be disturbed because the sermon this morning is to make you uncomfortable. Jesus tells us that following him is going to be uncomfortable. Christianity is uncomfortable. so that uh, Jesus' disciples might know what they were getting themselves into by following him. Jesus told them about the requirements for discipleship and also the results. And he told them that following Jesus is not going to be comfortable. Now, Jesus' directions this morning were actually in direct response to some misguided counseling that Jesus received from his disciple Peter. Peter tried to dissuade Jesus when he talked about how he was going to suffer. But certainly nobody could ever accuse Jesus of very clearly spelling out what his ministry was all about. Way before he ever fell under the weight of the cross, Jesus said that the Son of Man would have to suffer a lot that he would be rejected by the leaders, the chief priests, and the experts of Moses' teachings. He would be killed. But after three days, come back to life. It says he told them very clearly what he meant. It seems like the disciples got the first half, but they forgot the second half. Going to come back to life. When the disciple Peter heard about Jesus' plans, 
uh, he took him aside and he scolded him. Now, I don't know exactly what Peter said. He might have said something like, Jesus, this is never going to happen to you. We'll see about that. Or maybe he said, Jesus, you don't have to let that kind of stuff happen because, you know, just throw a lightning bolt at him. No problem. But the sooner we get that uh, throne set up here in uh, Jerusalem, the better things are going to be. Jesus' response, get out of my way, Satan. You aren't thinking the way God thinks, but the way humans think. Pretty harsh words for Jesus to speak to Peter, trying to dissuade him from what he'd come to do. And we know, of course, that it was not God's plan to try to set up some... uh, Jewish kingdom, reestablish a throne like Solomon in, uh, in Jerusalem and do away with all the Romans. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came because God sent his son to suffer the punishment for sin that you deserved. And anyone that was going to try to abort that mission would be acting as an agent of Satan himself. It wasn't God's plan that Jesus would set up a comfortable throne and palace. It was God's plan that Jesus, God's son, would be scourged and pierced and crucified so that we might be free from the tyranny of the devil and the fear of going to hell. And after he scolded Peter, then he turned to all the disciples and the crowd around him, and he instructed them regarding the requirements for following him. Now Jesus tells us this morning that if you want to follow him, it's going to mean discomfort and some suffering. And after all, can we who desire to follow Jesus expect anything less than what he was willing to go through for us? But it is going to be, it is going to be uncomfortable, to, uncomfortable to follow Jesus. It's kind of interesting that Jesus says... Uh, Those who want to follow me must say no to the things they want, pick up their crosses, and follow me. It's kind of interesting, Jesus tells us, those who want to follow me. You see, in Jesus' army, there are no draftees. It's strictly volunteer service. Jesus doesn't pull his sheep by a rope. He doesn't beat him from behind with a rod. Jesus doesn't force anybody to do anything. When you follow him, it's out of love and devotion and thanksgiving for all of his wonderful gifts. But Jesus says that if you are willing to follow him, then he wants to assure you that it's not going to be a bed of roses. Jesus says that those who want to follow him eventually are going to have to take up their crosses, say no to the things that they want, and then follow him. You know, when Jesus came down from heaven, and he didn't have to do that, God didn't have to send his son into our world. But he left the glories and the power and the comforts of heaven, and he forgot about himself. Scripture says he humbled himself even to death on a cross, forgot about his own comforts. When Jesus stood there before Pontius Pilate with blood and spit running down his face, it was a selfless love for others that moved him. When he was hanging on that dirty cross, 
It was selflessness that moved him to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because of his great love for sinners, Jesus denied himself and bore the sins of us all. And out of love for our Lord Jesus, you see, we desire to do the same. But it's not going to be comfortable. Jesus says you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to give up some of the things that you want to do. In other words, following Jesus means crucifying the old Adam in us. For Jesus, do you ever give up some things that you want to do? Yes, you do. You're here this morning. Did you really want to get out of bed and go out into that cold wind to be here at 9 o'clock? I don't know about you, but I didn't. You know, a pastor's a sinner just like you. Every morning I don't get up and say, yippee, I can't get, wait to get to work. There's a lot of stuff we don't necessarily want to do. But out of love for Jesus, we do it. Perhaps you really don't want to spend a, a Wednesday evening here at church uh, to follow Jesus down the Via Dolorosa. Jesus says, say no to what you want to do. I know all of us don't necessarily want to give up any of our paycheck. I mean, it's coming up to tax time. You've got to give it up and up there. So we don't want to give up our offerings to our Lord. My goodness, that's our money. Jesus says, stop doing the things that you want to do and live for me. Not only does our Lord ask us to say no to the things that we want, he also gives us instructions as to what we should be doing. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Now, I don't know about anybody that's uh, been crucified here in the United States very recently. I mean, you know, we don't have that execution here anymore. And so we really don't understand what crucifixion was all about. But Jesus' disciples did when he said, take up your cross and follow me. They knew these guys that were convicted had to carry their own cross on their back to the point of execution. And there they would suffocate over a long period of time. Worst kind of death anybody ever figured out. Jesus requires his disciples to carry a cross. After Jesus' ascension into heaven, his disciples, his apostles then, had to carry a whole lot of crosses. They were stoned, they were whipped, they were thrown into prison. They were martyred. A lot of them had to flee their homes. A lot of them died in arenas with lions. Being a Christian was very uncomfortable. Confession of Jesus Christ brought a whole lot of discomforts. Jesus is asking us to bear the cross for him today. To be uncomfortable for him. Now, I got to say, it's very, very easy this morning within the confines of these walls to say, um, we believe in the sanctity of human life. And human life begins at conception. And then you have a body and soul. Within the confines of these walls, we can say we believe in the dignity of marriage. And it's only one man and one woman for all of life. Without marriage, there should be only celibacy. 
We believe in six days of creation. We believe that Jesus is the only way to eternal life in heaven. We can easily say within these four walls, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But now when we're done, you've got to go back out into the world. We're living in a world that doesn't believe in the constitution of freedom of religion. We're living in a, in a, a culture that believes in freedom from religion. We're living in a culture that has kicked prayer out of the schools. It's kicked God out of the universities. It's kicked God out of the, the workplace. And of course, we have all that suffering in our world today, not just because of the demise of the nuclear family, but because many families have kicked God out of their house. Now, that's the kind of world that you go out into after you leave here. So now talk to some of the people in the workplace and the universities and say, I believe in creation. I don't believe in evolution. And they'll say, oh, you're against science. I disagree with same-sex marriage. I disagree with LGBT. They say, well, you're totally insensitive. And if you talk like that, you know, that's hate speech. Comfortable living in a world out there like that? I disagree with uh, cohabitation. I believe that there should be abstinence before marriage. And they'll say, what are you talking about? That's old-fashioned. Where'd you get that from? And if you talk to somebody and say, you know, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life, they will say, that's religiously intolerant. Somebody's worried this past week about the shootings and all the mass killings that we've had. You know, and so we come up and we try to think that we can legislate morality. You can't legislate morality. There's only one thing that really is going to change our culture for the better, and that's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, because when hearts change, people change. Now, that's not a quick fix, but that's the only answer. But you talk to people like that, and they say, that's stupid. Are you nuts? You know, we're very fortunate because we don't live in a climate and a in a culture, in a nation where if you set up a cross on the top of your building, they might burn it down or execute you. Here in the United States, we Christians sometimes are ridiculed for our Christian faith. But we're not dying for Christ, at least not yet. Are you ready for some discomfort? It's kind of interesting how St. Paul, when he wrote, writes to Romans this morning that we read, and, and you read the, the disciples in the book of Acts, when they were uh, beaten and tortured and everything else, they said they considered a privilege for suffering for Jesus Christ. Did they know something that we don't know?